Well, good morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, welcome today to Central United Methodist Church, where it is our mission to follow Jesus by loving God and loving our neighbors. I'm Thomas Smith, senior pastor here at Central, and it's a joy to have you with us today. Whether you are worshiping with us this morning uh, in person or whether you are listening right now on our audio live stream, we are pleased that you've chosen to make Central a part of your day today. For those of you worshiping in person, I hope that on the way in you received a bulletin. And those of you listening this morning, I hope you'll check out our church website, centralmethodist.net, where you will find an online version of our bulletin. But that is an excellent way to find ways to connect with God through Central. So I encourage you to read the information there and maybe find some ways to connect. Some uh, things I would lift up to you this morning by way of announcement. Uh, we do have a new young adult Sunday school class that's forming that meets in room 275. So I encourage you, if you are um, younger and an adult, to check that class out. Also, uh, note that on September 7th, which is this week, our Wednesday night dinners resume. And we do encourage you to register ahead of time so that we can effectively plan for food. And you can, there are details in your bulletin and a QR code right there in your bulletin that you can scan with your phone and register for Wednesday night dinner if you'd like. Our next blood drive is coming up September 15th. You can sign up now either online or by calling the church office and there are sign-up sheets available in the commons. And on September 18th, we will celebrate our Legacy Sunday. That is the Sunday of the year when we're, we recognize those people who have been members of our church for 25 years or more. And if you think that in, in, you might be included in that number, please be in touch with Adrian Reynolds in the church office or email is printed in your bulletin. Also on September 25th, we are going to have uh, a special music service here in the sanctuary. We had for our 150th anniversary commissioned a special anthem that because of COVID concerns, we were not able to debut on the 150th celebration, but we will debut it on September 25th. It'll be a special Sunday and both Sanctuary services will have that anthem and the special music, and I hope that you'll be a part of that. Also, some Bible study opportunities that are uh, just around the corner. Uh, the Courtney Graham Women's Bible Study, which meets on Mondays at 9.15, will resume meeting on September 12th. The 27.17 Men's Bible Study will resume meeting on September 20th and meet Tuesdays. Please note the time for that study has moved to 7 o'clock in the morning. And I'll be leading a short-term study on Wednesday evenings after our Wednesday night suppers. Um, it's called The Song is My Story, and it's a look at the theology contained in the hymns we sing. Also, some ministry opportunities that are available. We are looking, still looking for visitation team members to help keep folks that are part of our church but unable to attend worship to be connected to our church. And we're also looking for some people to drive our minibuses. You can find details about that in your bulletin, but maybe God might lead you to, to those ministries. And in our prayers this week, I ask you to be prayerful for the family and friends of Vera Stanton who passed away this past week and whose life we celebrated in worship yesterday here in the sanctuary. 
Friends, we gather in the presence of the risen Christ. So let us now open ourselves to Christ's presence with us as we worship God in spirit and in truth. In you, O Lord, we take refuge. In your righteousness, deliver and rescue us.
now while we are standing, let us say what we believe using the Apostles' Creed. You'll find it in Selection 881 in your hymnal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. And if you will, join me as we pray our colic found in your order of worship. O Lord, our support and our refuge, deliver us from temptation. Give us the defense of your salvation and hold us up with your right hand. Teach us your ways that our lives may be lived for your glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, now and in two late ages of ages. Amen. I want to welcome you this morning. I'm so glad that you're here in worship with us. Here or over the internet, we are really grateful that you're worshiping with us. If you will take a moment and find that pew pad at the end of the pew and sign in and pass it along and say hello to your neighbor, hopefully meet someone new, that would be wonderful. Um, Also, I will now, any children who would like to be dismissed for Children's Church can go with Miss Jenny.
Our gospel reading this morning is from the gospel according to Luke, the 14th chapter, verses 25 through 33. Hear now the word of God. Now large crowds were traveling with him, him being Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish. All who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is not far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciples if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Throughout the fall, we're going to be in a sermon series called What Followers of Jesus Do. And each week we will ask the Bible to answer that question for us. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, what then should we do? Although we usually think of being a follower of Jesus as someone who believes certain things about Jesus, the Bible gives us verses time and time again where Jesus is caring just as much about what his followers do as he does about what they believe. And while what we believe about Jesus is crucial to being followers of Jesus, what we do as followers of Jesus is just as important. Yes, what we believe is important, but how we allow what we believe to affect our actions is vital. So this fall, we'll consider what it means then for us to call ourselves followers of Jesus. Consider for a moment Central's mission statement. We are followers of Jesus who love God and love our neighbors. Because we are followers of Jesus, we love God and love our neighbors. But how does that, what does that mean we actually do? in love of God, in love of our neighbors. Over the next few weeks, we'll talk about things like generosity, about expressing our faith publicly, about dealing with difficult decisions. We'll prayerfully consider over these next few weeks what it is that followers of Jesus should do. And today we consider that followers of Jesus take faith seriously. Jesus says in these verses, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. 
Jesus gives us a stern challenge here. When we think about the threats to Christianity in the United States, we often, I say we, at least if you go to church growth conferences and read the literature that, uh, that I and others like me read, we read about two groups of people, the nuns and the duns. The nuns being the N-O-N-E-S nuns, those people who when asked say they have no religious faith and no church affiliation or to usually have the, the survey is such that they say they have no religious preference. And the duns, the D-O-N-E-S, those people who have once been part of a faith community but for whatever reason are no longer a part of that community and no longer identify with any faith group. We talk about the nuns and the duns, but there's another group, I think, that challenges we who call ourselves Christians in the 21st century, and that is the nominal Christian. Nominal meaning and name only. Take my last name, for example, Smith. I am a nominal Smith. I am named Smith. That is my last name. But I'm named Smith because somewhere way back, by the way, Smith is a common name, but it's so common because it's such a wonderful name. Most people don't know that. But I'm named Smith because somewhere way back in my ancestry, I had an ancestor who was a blacksmith probably, worked with metal. He was a blacksmith, usually abbreviated Smith, and so they started calling him whatever. Smith is his last name. And through the ages, we've all been Smiths ever since. I am nominally a Smith. I am named Smith. But I'll tell you, I don't know a thing about working with metal. I don't know how to put shoes on a horse. I, I don't know anything about any of those things. So in a sense, I'm a nominal Smith. I'm named Smith, but I'm not a Smith by profession. But suppose I bought myself a blacksmith shop. And suppose I bought all the tools and equipment one would need to run a blacksmith shop. And I, you know, somewhere over here in Florence got me a blacksmith shop and started putting my name out there as someone who could do uh, custom iron work for fancy homes and places like Charleston. But I still don't know anything about being a blacksmith. I don't have the, I couldn't do the work, I don't have the knowledge, yet I insisted on calling myself a blacksmith because my name is Smith. When we talk about nominal Christians, we're talking about people who claim the name of Christian but are Christian in name only. Our Christian faith should change more than our Sunday morning schedule. It should change our very lives. An authentic faith should affect every single part of our lives. An authentic faith should affect how we spend our money. It should affect how we conduct our work. It should affect how we treat our family and our neighbors and our co-workers. It should affect how we use our time, how we treat the poor, how we understand the natural world. In other words, an authentic, 
faith affects our character, our ethics, and our values. In short, as followers of Jesus, we are to take that faith extremely seriously. In these verses, Jesus calls us to be all in on being his follower. Or it's not worth the effort. And Jesus is saying, he's using hyperbole when he talks about, to be clear, Jesus does not want us to hate our families. But Jesus is speaking in hyperbole. He's exaggerating to say that there may be big costs to being a follower of Jesus. That it may cost us something serious if we take our faith seriously. But though there may be big costs, there are also incredible rewards. When we take our faith seriously as followers of Jesus, we can live lives of meaning and purpose. One of my favorite Christian authors, he's uh, been dead almost as long as I've been alive, but did a great deal of writing in the middle of the 20th century, was a, a Catholic monk named Thomas Merton. Probably his most famous work is the seven-story mountain, which is a sort of spiritual biography where he talks about a lot of things, but among the things he talks about is when he started feeling God calling him to be a monk. And he knew he wanted to be a monk, and he was trying to decide which order. There are very different orders of monks, and each order has its own rule of life that it's Members are expected to follow. So he started reading the rules of life that each order had, and he arrived at one order that had, in his estimation, the easiest rule to follow. There weren't a lot of dietary restrictions, and you could basically do what you wanted, uh, but you were a member of this religious order. And as he researched the other orders, he found one that was very strict, the Trappist, if you've ever been to Metcon Abbey outside of Charleston in Monk's Corner, that is a Trappist monastery. And it's a very difficult rule to follow. They're vegetarian in their diets. They, are, they, they, they don't exactly take vows of silence. Neither are they known as great conversationalists. <clears throat> they only talk when necessary. And Merton writes in the seven-story mountain that he realized was he just picking what was easiest because it was what he wanted? Or was he following what he felt God calling him to? And he realized that if discipleship was going to cost something, it might mean keeping a rule that he agreed to live by difficult. And so he joined the Trappist order for the rest of his life. Gave up meat, Gave up idle conversation, many other things. But he writes that in the following of that very strict rule of life, he found joy. He found fulfillment. That's an extreme example. But if we are serious about our faith, if we are serious about being followers of Jesus, it means that our commitment to God should outweigh every other priority in our lives. Over the coming weeks, we'll explore that idea. 
over the coming weeks, we'll, we'll pick apart what it means for us to call ourselves followers of Jesus who are called to live out our faith. And in the process, I pray that all of us will find ourselves embracing a commitment to take our faith seriously. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll bow your heads, I'll pray for us. Almighty God, we give you thanks for this day, for the beauty that surrounds us, for the fellowship of Christian community. And God, today we turn our attention to the work that we do and the stewardship that we are entrusted with. Bless our hands and our hearts as we go about the busyness of our work. Help us to be witnesses of your love to all that we come in contact with. Let us treat one another with respect. Whether we are working to provide services for others or whether we are serving others in our jobs. Give us patience with one another. Help us to be mentors to one another. Guide us to be fair in our dealings with all. And Lord, we pray for those who are seeking work. We ask that you give them energy and wisdom. Open doors that provide good opportunities. Sustain them emotionally. Help them to persevere so that rejections for positions don't diminish their self-worth. On this Labor Day weekend, as we seek to rest and reconnect with some of the fun and joys in life, help us to remember those who are still serving others, including our first responders and the medical teams. And we pray for them and give thanks for their work as we pray for their safety. God, we do not forget those who are suffering, either because of financial difficulties or grief or illness, those who must exist in this world by taking on difficult or dangerous jobs, and those who do not bring home enough to live. Bless them, O Lord, and help humankind find ways to change these circumstances. And God, help us to be good stewards of our resources and your world as we seek to be faithful disciples. Help us to be a part of building the kingdom so that this life will be better for all. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.
Now, Lord, we offer our gifts and we offer ourselves in your service. Please bless them, Lord. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. As we prepare to take the sacrament of Holy Communion this morning, a few words of introduction. First, all are welcome at the Lord's table. This is not Central's table. This is not a United Methodist table. This is the table of our Lord Jesus. And so whether you're a member of our church or another church or no church at all, if you seek the grace God offers in this holy meal, you are welcome. The way we'll receive this morning is um, sort of a, a hybrid way. We will have servers at the end of each side aisle, and they'll be there with uh, at the chalice with a loaf and also with the baskets of prepackaged communion cups. 
If you would like to receive by intention, when you come to the front, if you would hold out your hand like this, the server will take a piece of bread, place it into your hand. If you would then dip it into the cup and then take the two together. If you prefer to receive with the uh, prepackaged uh, cups, they will be, uh, the service will also have those in a basket. So please just let the server know when you arrive at the front and we will serve you the prepackaged uh, cups. And after you receive communion, you're invited to stay and kneel in prayer at the rail as long as you like, or you can return to your seat. Also, we do have gluten-free bread if you uh, require that. Please let the server know when you arrive up front and we'll serve you the gluten-free bread. Also, if you're more comfortable receiving communion in your seat, please let one of the ushers know as they direct you forward and we'll be happy to bring communion to you where you sit. But I invite you to turn in your hymnal to page 12 where you'll find the liturgy for communion. And we begin with a prayer of confession. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remains steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through the prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take Eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray together the prayer our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The bread that we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. For those who are serving, please come.
Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you've given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Friends, will you stand for the benediction? Now may the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen.
Thank you for your music. The solo, both of them were gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I like the first one. Second one was gorgeous. First one spoke to me. Beautiful. Schubert piece. Mm-hmm. But John and I were talking. I think it's prettier in German. But but the melody is. Yeah, but it's the it's the expression, it's the tone, it's the rise and the fall. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It was gorgeous. Thank, you. thank you very much.